You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. You guys are among the first to see that I'm on a new uh sofa nice i like it it is different than the one i was on last time um that thank you i take great pride in this sofa this is like uh this is like a sports car yeah (laughs) yeah this is my my sports car (laughs) well i mean listen to all all the people who said i'm rapping because it's a midlife crisis i'm trying to (laughs) i feel that this this is my midlife this is like my Hello, welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Peza here, as always, with Siobhan Cronin and Benny Goodman. Is it riveting, Ben? Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and this week we have back part two with Alex Skolnick of Testament, Alex Skolnick incredible. Trio. Absolutely uh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Writer of a book, um, podcast host of Moods and Modes. I mean, the number of things he does is just countless. So you kind of have incredible. to go follow him at Alex Skolnick to see what he's up to. Yeah. And and just listening to kind of his perspective, he goes through a lot of uh, his creative process and not only his creative process, but who he learns from and references when he's trying to get his creative process under control. Uh, So there's a lot you can take away from this episode. Yeah. So here he is, the scholar himself, Alex Skolnick, part two. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Benny Goodman, and I'm here with my cohorts, Corey Pesa and Siobhan Cronin. And today, we're with a musical legend who hops around all genres of life between being a photographer. I'll go with that first. He's a writer. He's a, he doesn't have to have a ghostwriter. He is the writer. He's a, a metal legend, but he also plays jazz. Alex Skolnick with the Moods and Modes podcast. How are you, my friend? Thank you so much. I'm good. I'm good. It's... It's so funny. I don't think about all these things. I just do them. And when you read them back, it's, uh, oh, yeah, Dante. I guess so. I forgot. <laughs> well, that is. I, you know, I'm always focused on what, one thing at a time, and it's just about the thing. Yeah, because of that, you, know, you mentioned doing one thing at a time. Um, how do you break up all these different facets of, of creativity? Is there like, you know, is there a day where you might do you know, some, some photo edits or something and then, and then hop over to music or is, are you, are you more like, you know, in a, in a bigger space of time in a photography mode, in a, in a podcasting mode, in a, in a writing mode? Um, well, a lot of it is very spontaneous, you know, and that's part of the, the creative process is, you know, just kind of going where, where the inspiration is. Um, you know, I try, I, I plan things depending on if, uh, yeah, if I have a, a gig or a recording or so, you know, that's going to affect what I work on musically. Um, if I have some free time, um, 
uh, I will maybe I'll work on photography. Maybe I'll uh, work on writing. I mean, it really it really depends what's going on. If another podcast is due, you know that that might be what I focus on. But yeah, I don't. I just I kind of keep lists of, of what I want to work on. Um, I'm very. I guess I'm lucky in in some sense that I don't have. There's there's certain things like I I don't care about that the rest the rest of the world seems to care deeply about. For example, um, NFL. <laughs> I, I don't care. I, I heard last weekend was historic. It was like the possibly the greatest weekend of football ever. You know, uh, I. Kansas was behind and or whatever. I don't even remember who played. But I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> and if you, yeah, and that's great. And I, I total respect if you're into that. But it's just, I think just not having that, you know, and the fact that you not only have these games, but you have ESPN, you have ESPN two, ESPN, you know, so, and that's just, that's just one thing that takes a lot of time. Um, and I won't say that I don't watch television shows, but I'm very selective about them. Yeah. There's, there's a few that everybody's seen that I've not seen and I have no intention of seeing. Um, there's a few, yeah, there's a few that I like. Um, but I, you know, I'm not caught up in sort of the same shows that, that most people seem to be caught up in. I'm not caught up in the same games that most, yeah. you know what I mean? I really, you know, who's going to win the bachelor. <laughs> I feel like Genevieve is totally the shoe in. It's so funny. There's a great writer that I follow, uh, Peter Straub, and I've met him a, a few times credible novelist but he he watches that show and i i'm still baffled by tweets about it like what's going to happen on the bachelor and i, <laughs> I think everyone yeah, has their, everyone has their it's, it's sugar though sometimes yeah. you, you know what that is that's when you don't want like if you want your mind just to go to sleep because what you hear on television you're like there's a new thing that's going to kill you and cancer is caused by this and 17 right. people were mercilessly stabbed to death and then it's like I love you. And he's like, I should kiss you to see if you're my other. And it's like, okay, okay, I get it. I want to, it's like snorting a pixie stick. It seems like a good idea. It hurts for a little bit, but then you get that nice sugary aftertaste. You know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, there's a, maybe there's, there's a, a, a purpose, but I, I'm not caught up in stuff that's really high. And I think that that kind of helps me focus on things that I want to focus on, whether it's music, writing, photography, or podcasts or, Whatever. So do you have sort of like an on, I mean, for me, for example, I, I have kind of an ongoing scratch list in a million different notebooks of all the yeah. various creative ideas I'm going to do and half of them I never execute. So how do you, how do you kind yeah, of manage tough. all the, yeah, the different ideas and like, I guess you kind of go with the flow a little bit, but you know, you're, you're obviously very good at keeping people involved in it because sometimes I'll pop on Instagram and you're just doing uh, a live warming up, playing all these different uh, things and involved. I mean, it's very, very cool. And you're obviously very energized with everything you do. So how, how do you manage all that and, and make sure that you're following through with some of these creative ideas you have? Oh gosh. Um, well, that's a good question. I, there's always 
ideas that I'm, I feel like I'm ignoring, the same as you. You know, I, I have things on a list I could point to that, you know, oh, I have not gotten to this. And then all this time goes by and um, uh, sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes it's, it's a long time. Sometimes it's like an essential thing. Like um, you guys are among the first to see that I'm on a new uh, sofa. Nice. I like it. It is different than the one I was on last time. Um, that thank you. I take great pride in this sofa. This is like a, <laughs> this is like a sports car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is, my, this is my sports car. <laughs> well, I mean, listen like to, all, to all the people in... who said I'm rapping because I'm, it's a midlife crisis. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel no, that this, I, I... this is my midlife. This right. is like my. That's right. Your I green leather it. sofa. I cover it like you would cover a car. Yeah. Because like grandma. You know, because of cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh well that's just come on, man. Like I have but, cats and I feel like if you have cats, you just need to know it's gonna fucking look like shit at some point and that that's no, just have, one thing you've foregone in your life. Uh, because you have an animal no, no, that I'm, just scratches things. No, I made a deal with my cat. Like they can they can <laughs> Oh <sit> yeah. <laughs> that's gonna work out great it. for you, Alex. No, I'm telling you, there, there's that you can train them. There's and there's this spray called scratch off, oh, not I scratch. Yeah. Sorry, scratch not. And it's great if you catch them scratching and you scold them and just spray that that stuff on the sofa, which they hit, they get it, they get it just a few times, and it's like okay, they sit on the sofa. They have other things that they're allowed to scratch. The the point being, <laughs> this is yeah, this was something like years this we're going by this it was peeling it was uh and the, the cats did get to a certain part of it like it needed to go mm-hmm. and it took a long time but you know it finally got done but that's I, an I, adult it, thing though it's like it's like buying yourself a good quality bed you sleep every single night in that bed like siobhan i saw it on your story she yeah. finally got a good mattress way to be a fucking adult like I guarantee you, Corey, Corey's wife does right. not let him sleep on a bullshit mattress. Like that's something that adults no. But let me buy. let me tell you though, get a new mattress was one of those items that kept getting transferred from notebook to notebook for like yeah. years. Yeah. It was one of those Your things list. where it was like eternally not scratched off on my list, and I'm like, what a piece of shit you are! Like, why can't you just deal with this right now? <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's kind of a big lists. deal, though. It's like you got to get rid of the other one. You got to. It takes mental yeah, energy. A, I get it. It's a, there's an emotional process that goes. But also, with that. every morning is there like a shuffle of priorities. So you have your list, and there's there's yeah. usually at least in my in my book, there's like the you know your I have to have this done this week. I have to have this done this month. I should probably get this done at some point in my life. And then every day you kind of have to like jumble those around and say, all right, what am I actually going to be able to achieve uh, with this? You know you what know? I do? In in a world of lists, I just do Hungarian rhapsody. Uh-huh. <sighs> <laughs> I see what I'll you be here all week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so these are these are normal things. I'm not good, as good at normal, thing, right? Everybody, everybody has to change their furniture. None of us are. None of us are. Everybody That's why we're musicians. Yeah. Somehow it's the hardest task. I know. Yes. Yes. But you can like throw me on a stage with a guitar in front of thousands of people, even if it's like guesting with a, b- a band I've never played with and fine <laughs> no problem that's that's easy that doesn't freak me out but like 
yeah, changing, dealing with furniture and like <laughs> going through that process. That yeah, that freaks me out. So, um, but yeah, so there's a lot of things that of uh, get yeah they get transferred from list to list. But you know, I try to prioritize. Um, yeah, and I also I guess I I look at people who are hyper productive. Yeah. Matheny, just to bring him up again, you know, he was, he's a great example. Like, I don't know how this guy does it. He does like, like an album or two a year. They're all hop notch. Um, he's, well, I think, he, you know, he's like a, like a scientist. He's got a scientist brain, but also like some of the stuff he does, like it's way beyond but like he, he will make lists after a show. Just everything that he wants to improve, like ten pages of lists after. Let me ask you this: Who do you think would, I don't do who, that. Who would win in a fight, Pat Metheny or Tom Schultz? Because <laughs> I mean, feel like those guys part. are both like the most. Like I think Schultz maybe more neurotic in like a cantankerous way because I have a lot of friends in in, in the Boston camp and like that guy was one of the most brilliant guitars and business people because he basically recorded a whole record, had a, a, a whole record company tell him, hey, you need to re-record it. And he's like, well, only if I can do it with my producer and then basically got his friend to say like, sure, and then did the whole fuck, had the whole record change nothing. And like, it's the best sounding record. Like, I mean, I think uh, that Boston first record is like the best ever. Like, that's a different level. And the guy used to like do sound checks. In fact, there's no Boston recordings. I found this out of them playing live because he refused to let them record it because he said it would never sound good enough. That's yeah. That's amazing. I think I would <laughs> still put my money on Pat because. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Different level. As far of as like content, like if you say, you know, what's your favorite Boston so album? There's really like two Boston albums that are really one that, that everybody talks about. Yeah. You know, with, with Pat, it's tough because there's just, so many but i mean he's he's one person but he's you know he's not the only one there's other people in other fields yeah there's people who get documentaries made amazing mm -hmm. i mean that's such an incredible process with so many moving parts um so you know i just i look at people like like that and i just just think oh my god you know if they're doing this and they're you have to be so focused and so organized. Okay, there's there's no excuse for the things I wanted it. So, all right, I want to know, which Beatle are you? Because you got into the documentary. I know oh, yeah, you I'm, must uh, have watched Get Back. Obviously, yep. for the shirt. Yeah. I just started watching it, yeah. Do you, do you, yeah. Are, are you, are you a, a Paul where you're kind of like subtext dick, but then you're also playing Let It Be and no one shuts up? Like, are, are you like, are you Ringo just sitting there like kind of like stoned out of your mind, but you're, you're nailing it. Like, which, who are you? Which which people? Well, they're all. I mean, they're all amazing. I think Ringo really got his due in this, which was great. Like long overdue because he was always kind of overshadowed by other drummers from the same time period. You know, that were more attention getting. Keith Moon, for example, uh, Ginger Baker, and uh, you see in this series that wow, he really adds so much. To the song it's not just about bombast it's not about uh chops and who can play the most notes you know he just 
really just makes the most of the songs. I don't know. I don't. I don't, they're all such different people. So I don't. And I, I see them. Yeah, on this level, I don't. It's hard to say I'm like any of them because they're just they're they're all their their own thing. And then you put them together, and there's just you know nobody like that. Um, I think it's great to see them working though, and they are, and it's great to see that they're human. You know, a lot they play. There's times where they play wrong parts or uh, wrong notes, or it's out of tune, and all the same stuff we go through. But they work so hard at it; they keep at it, and that's super inspiring. So I think that's yeah. I mean, I'm 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 inspired by a lot of a lot of things, and that that's a good example of you know just seeing the process seeing the the creative process yeah. i listen to podcasts about the creative process as well um which, which help um, can you recommend any or any that you turn to for advice or that you find useful yeah um yeah there's the the guy who created um billions on showtime brian compliment he actually used to work in the, the music industry he was like an A and R guy, so he knows a lot about music. That's why that show has like great musical choices. Okay, and he's got this podcast, and it's so unproduced, and there's yeah mistakes and bad recording connect, bad connections. On <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> care. It's just so raw, but that's part of the charm. And he talks about uh, you know his process. It's and he has a lot of people on that he admires that are, you know, like a lot, lot of, lot of folks you've heard of and just, yeah, talk, talks about being creative and, you know, have having a morning routine and stuff like that. Yeah. For yeah. you, what kind of things do you take away from those podcasts? Like in, in terms of, you know, do you, are you, are you always evolving in terms of how you approach your creativity or do you kind of like, find little nuggets here and there in, in, in listening to that kind of content that you can then implement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm often finding things. I mean, he, he got me to revisit the process of just writing random pages in, in the morning, you know, just like for first thing in the day. And that's, that's an idea. It comes from this book, the artist way by Julia, Cameron and a lot of the people that I've known over the years have gotten into that, that what, book. What does and that mean? Random pages, like morning pages, kind of just whatever like, comes to you in the morning, you write yeah, it down. Yeah. Just no limitations. I don't whatever usually see the morning. So I'm curious <laughs> as to how this works. <laughs> like Shane, our friend Shannon Larkin, yeah. but he, who writes, is a great drummer from Godsmack and, and, and um, uh, he, he actually sleeps with a, um, a notebook next to his bed and he writes some of the greatest lyrics. He's totally school of rush. You know, obviously, like the professor writing layers and he only writes like and in beautiful handwriting, nonetheless, when he wakes up from his dreams, what he has going on and his lyrics are fucking amazing. So no, like, there's got to be some. I'm too lazy. Like, I'm actually usually getting over my benzodiazepine haze. So like, that's, you know, I can barely brush my teeth. I sometimes like put the wrong thing on the toothbrush. You right. know? Well, yeah. sometimes when you're in that haze, though, you'll have 
connections and ideas that you might not have as you, yeah, as you start to, to wake up. And it's like that, that could really help. Sometimes you'll be just writing things down and suddenly you'll, he, he talked about this on one of the episodes. He said, I I was in the middle of this and um, all this time had gone by and I, we had a script and I had no idea how to do this transition from one scene. And then it just came. It just came. I figured out how, how to do it. And he's like, I can't imagine doing that. So yeah, I, I can, I can relate to that. And, um, yeah, there's a, another good podcast. I, I actually haven't listened to him in quite a while, but I should, I should. Uh, Tim Ferriss, who's pretty. Oh well yeah, known. I've listened to him before. Yeah, and he's fun, and he always he had he had a great episode with uh, Seinfeld of all people. I mean, he you know he, he gets people at that level. He gets other people that you might not have heard of, but he really uh, engages them. I mean, you could tell he like Seinfeld was so unguarded. It wasn't like seeing him on Fallon or something like that. He's and he didn't have any pressure to be, he was just being um, himself and talk, talking about his process of getting ideas, keeping track of ideas, of train, training your brain. And he, and he does have some funny bits about it. I mean, he, he says the, the brain is a wild animal and you have to tame it. And he's so right. You know, because, I mean, we know, how many people do we know? And we just see them, you know, like chasing, going to different directions that <laughs> aren't healthy or are counterproductive to whatever they're, they're trying to achieve. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of uh, practice. It takes a lot of, you know, failing and then trying again. Yeah. Well, let me ask you along those lines, like personally, one thing I struggle with being someone that plays, you know, I play in a rock band. I also play classical music. I'll do various independent projects. I'm with Lost Symphony. We do this podcast. So I find myself, at least with my brain, it's very hard for me to do multiple things with multiple different projects in one day. I get very focused in one thing. And then I feel like in a certain way, I kind of have to abandon the other things for a while. And then there's a period of shifting where I have to get back into it. You know, like go from playing rock music for two months on tour to practicing my classical stuff again. And, uh, you know, how do you manage that keeping everything alive of your various different interests without having to kind of neglect things here and there? Or is that part of the process? Yeah, I think that's part of the process. I think you have to neglect things because you you can't do everything all the time. You're always neglecting something. Yeah. We're, we're, We're neglecting things right now. Sure. Right. It's an opportunity cost to be on this show. Every moment yes. of this, you could be doing something better. You could be organizing your CDs alphabetically. There's so many things you could be doing at a higher priority level yeah. on the list from years ago. I'm and I'm not saying anything's <laughs> better than being on this podcast. Maybe this is like a well, better subjective, <laughs> Alex. It's not. There's no, what is better. Maybe this is a peak experience. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think this pure leaf, natural brewed sweet tea is better than most sweet teas, but that's just okay. me. Yeah. I tend to agree with that. Um, yeah, so you're always there's always something you're not doing. So I think 
yeah, you're right. That, accepting that is that's is a very really nihilistic, important. negative view. You're always not. No, no, something. it's actually a positive. Maybe you thing. always are doing something. A, no, I think he's right. You have to sort of lean in to accept that that's part of the process and lean into the thing that you're not, feeling not at the moment. Doing something. Well, it's like, for example, if I'm spending a lot of time practicing learning a classical piece or I'm on tour or whatever, I'm not in the process of writing. And I, I'm really not much of a writer of songs at all, but I like to try and dabble in it. But I do find that until I'm able to kind of lean into that for several days in a row and experiment and have the freedom to relax into it, I don't really get anywhere. So it's, it doesn't help for me to try and do it for a couple of hours one day and then shift to something else. It, I, I end up just yeah. kind of not accomplishing anything in any of the arenas. <laughs> Well, but you never know, though. Maybe you are accomplishing I, something. You don't even true. realize. Well, I feel like I feel like someone like Alex. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but you're more of like a frenetic ADD guy like me, where you're like, you can just do that. Like, I want to take a picture today because you're naturally inspired. Where Siobhan is so focused, she writes her list and she has her methodology. Where you're just more of like, you do have all those things that you understand. If there's like that X factor of like, you're just inspired and it's just coming to you, and that's what stops you. And you take the picture because you're like. I need to take a picture now. Well, because I I, nev I never say that. I never say I feel like taking a picture today. No, I'm saying <laughs> mentally in your own head, like you're. I'm speaking for like your quiet subconscious. Yeah, I'm actually I'm having to wrestle with that. Like my, my no, camera. Is, that doesn't happen. Well, my camera is in repair right now. Oh, okay. It is in the Leica shop somewhere in I guess New Jersey. Um, and they're waiting on a part because of you know supply chain issues like yes like <laughs> that everything the, everything yeah. that affect, my dishwasher's know. broken i've been waiting for months yeah so i i don't have that option um yeah i, I could take pictures on my phone but um so i'm yeah i'm kind of having to be at peace with that that but it's also making me go back into pictures I've taken that I might not have considered and kind of look, look at those. And so you're against camera photos. So you, you, don't, <laughs> you don't want to use that. Cause don't you know that an iPhone is just as good as that huge piece of glass from Zeiss that they use to do the <laughs> Hubble telescope. It's the same thing, dude. It looks the same. Lady Gaga shot a whole video on it. The, the new iPhones I've got, it's got a pretty new one. It, they're, they're good, but you still can't compare them to, a pro camera. Um, oh yeah, no way. Yeah. It, it is amazing it what first. they've done, though. Yeah, it is amazing what they've done, and I, I have. It's it's, well, yeah, it's gotten me to try try to take some pictures with it, even though it's it's freezing now, so it's very difficult. You know, and your your hands freeze. Um, but you know, I do, get back to your, your point. It's not, you know, saying I I feel like taking pictures. It's more like something i'll see of a good photo i'll see a good opportunity for a photo oh i want to take a photo of that for the, and i want i try to keep my camera with in normal times when it's not in repair i try to keep the camera at all times mm -hmm. if i go to my storage unit or some whole foods or some routine thing it's there because <laughs> i may i may i may have you know be in, i may be inspired I may not. I've also had days where I get on my bike. You know, I actually have a rare, some rare free time and do a ride all over the city and nothing happens. I'm not, I'm either not inspired to take a photo or I try and 
but when, yeah, when it happens, it's usually unexpected. Like it, it comes, it comes to you. And I, the same thing tends to happen to me with music. I can't plan to compose a piece of music, but what I can do is, if I happen to come up with something interesting, I can capture it on a voicemail or or a video or or whatever. Now, of course, what ends up happening is I, I get this backlog of raw ideas. Yes. But <laughs> I have hard drives full of those. But you know what? Yeah, it's so <laughs> interesting. So I've been on my you know, on myself to go through those and yeah, you know, just try try to work on on some of those. If and, you want to uh, hear something Jedi, go back and watch Mark Tremonti on our show. That mm-hmm. dude records everything, but he's got this in like the Dewey Decimal system of Tremonti, where he's like, <laughs> okay, I need a coda, I need a part B, I need a chug chug at uh, seventy, and like he can put it all together, and he's like a mathematician it's like with him, where, yeah, where, yeah, where he's like, oh. I feel like I need to go into this archive, and he has yeah, all. He has a rating this- system for the quality of each riff or progression, and then he's able to take you know them from something you recorded months ago, and just by the labeling system, oh, this will work with this over here, and connect them. And, and then- he's such a ubiquitous <laughs> writer that he's like, that's an I interesting can write idea. That's a great he, way to he do. He can it. write eight thousand pieces of shit because he records nine thousand, so one thousand <laughs> of them are really fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's I mean, like, that, holy that- shit. I learned a lot from him in that episode for sure because I'm the t- person that's the exact opposite. I have He's like Piano so Idea One saved in my documents folder oh, on yeah. the desktop that then gets moved to another folder, and there's no un- understanding what it is or what it means, and it gets buried and lost. Yeah, Idea yeah. Thingy 0003, Idea Thingy <laughs> Chorus Riff 05. Yeah. Or or Brian <laughs> saves it to your trash folder and then just deletes <laughs> it and then goes, "Who's Jeff Loomis?" That's a true story. Yeah. Alex. Uh, we were Jeff Loomis had to go hiking in the mountains and we're all, he's like is there another song that we want you to do so we had siobhan was here for lost we recorded symphony, a song yeah. the whole yeah. lost symphony song it was a great song and then my brother who has no idea who lost uh, uh, who jeff loomis is literally deleted the song and then got mad at us because he had just had a baby and he's like oh it's 10 o'clock my baby's sleeping and we're like but we need the trash and he's like who even cares about that guy and i'm like Everyone cares. He's one of the greatest guitarists in the world. I had to yell at him, and his wife got mad at me because his baby was sleeping. Uh, long story short, we re-recorded that song, I think. <laughs> we, we did. We restarted it again from the beginning. Don't save your files to the downloads folder. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, don't oh, do yeah. it. File, file only, management. Only, that's the lesson here. Right, only right. Only the iPhone. Do you not, did you not remember reading that thing from Metallica that Kirk Hammett didn't get any of his songs in the last Metallica he'll, record? He'll never he, live that down. <laughs> yeah, because he lost his phone and it wasn't uploaded to the cloud. And I bet you someone at Apple's like, that's what you think. <laughs> yeah, why wasn't it uploaded to the cloud? That's what I don't understand. I bet you it is. He just needs to go and talk to somebody like Trent Reznor who works there or Dr. Dre. And be like, right. Where's the extra room where they have the stuff that I didn't say sync to the cloud that you have the U2 album with, too? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, anyway. Yeah. In normal circumstances, so all those little ideas, though, they're really helpful. So those I, I can't plan, but I can plan to say, okay, I'm going to go through these. I usually write them like whatever the project I think they might fit with. You know, if I hear a riff that might work for Testament, I'll make a note of that 
something that might work for the trio. I make a note of that. Or maybe I'll try to describe the style, you know, funk groove. Uh, well, do you ever write something for te- and you think it's for testament, but then you think to yourself, all right, take the gain off. Let's see if we can just add a, we, we can make a dominant chord here or whatever. Add something jazzy to it. And you're like, ah, no, this is Skullnick Trio, man. Fuck, fuck the metal thing. Let's just make it jazz. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it has happened. I That's awesome. Yeah, I can't think of the exact example, but I do remember there was something I thought this, this could work for, for test. And actually, uh, the reverse has happened. Um, there was one thing I, I came up with in five, which yeah, was very unusual for Testament <laughs> to do a, a song in five, four. But uh, it ended up on the album Formation of Damnation. There's only one, I forget the name off the top of my head, but there's only one song that starts in five. And um, yeah, that was something I originally thought, okay, this is probably something for the trio, but it ended up being something more for Testament. So you know, you never know, and you just have to try a lot of stuff. And I've learned over the years just to be more patient because a lot of the ideas you come up with aren't going to be useful. And that's, you need to, to do that. Um, the writer, Erica Zhang, actually had, has the some great books about writing and about the process. She's, she, it's funny, nowadays her, her daughter is more famous because she's a pundit, uh, Molly Zhang Fast. But Erica Zhang talk, talks about writing and she talks about they're just writing so much that she knows is not going to be usable, but do that for the tiny little part that is usable. Just like, you know, take a bunch of pictures. I know I'm not going to use a lot of them, but there's, there's always that one. And then when you, you find, and the same thing with song ideas. So whatever it is. And then you, when you put the good ideas together, then it, it starts to add up and then it, but you, you know, it also takes time, you know, talent to recognize that. You have to, and you have to be honest. You have to realize that, okay, just because you came up with some idea that you pretty much decided is not usable, that's not a reflection on you as a person. That doesn't mean you're, you know, you're not a good artist. Yeah. Even somebody like Prince that I considered like one of the greatest of all time. And if anybody's not human, it was him. He did put out one record, I believe, where he just purposely like left it raw and didn't do, and I, I I was interesting that like I like I heard like very clear mistakes and guitar noise and okay but I thought okay that's very cool that he would do this and put this out because it doesn't all, always sound the way we associate with him cuz usually he puts out stuff that's so perfected, but um, well, you realize his first guitar record ever was Purple Rain. I didn't know this until mm-hmm. recently. He's like, "Oh yeah, I guess I'm gonna play guitar on this new one," and then he played "Let's Go Crazy," which is one of the greatest guitar solos in any pop yeah. song ever or period. And then he recorded Purple Rain live and didn't even tell his band he was recording it, and that's what made it to the record. It actually is live, and he's just 
That's him off the top of his fucking head. Yeah. Just for I his mean, first guitar song. For his first guitar song. That guy sucks. That's, that's just, yeah, that's just the level yeah. of genius that's like, yeah, once in a generation. Not even a generation, like once in a century, I would argue. So you, you can't compare to people like that. And there are going to, you know, there are going to be those occasional people. So that's another thing, too. Don't beat yourself up because you're not like that. There's still, you know, there's still plenty of, you can still be. Do you, you think it's interesting seeing Prince, okay, which was probably on the same level as Pat Metheny because it like they get the savant level out where Prince could, you know, wear the, the platform shoes and then he would do all like the tricks and he'd still play guitar and throw it around like Ingbe Malmsteen style. Whereas Pat Metheny's like, I'm going to write 75 records. And Prince is like, yeah, I'll write a hundred and not release any of them. And like, <laughs> Is it not crazy to see, but you see Prince and you're like that little short dude that's androgynous that like, first off, he's the most masculine dude that wears lipstick and like a full fur coat on a 90 degree day with a bunch of girls that are wicked hot that should be wearing. And he's like, nah, no, that's me. And did you ever, like, he's was just so good. And then he's like, I'll play. He bought a roller skating rink. And he said that there was no roller skating music. So he shut his whole life down to write the soundtrack to his own roller skating music, then didn't release it. And only the people that were at the roller rink at Paisley Park for that one summer ever heard what roller skating music was supposed to sound like. Like, that's ridiculous. Huh. Like, you can't make that shit up, man. Well, that that gets back to, you know, <laughs> just being inspired. I mean, just, sure. yeah, he was inspired to, to do that. Um, that and that's that's not most people, you know. <laughs> that's True. just such no. a rare, rare no. example. Yeah, but well, uh, yeah, what an inspiration. Well, let me ask you when it comes to so, I guess for me, it's you know sometimes I'll come up with ideas and then I never go back to them, or I go back and I feel like I've lost the spark or the interest in it, and then I just kind of let it sit there. How do you? go through the process of finding the gold and what you've written and then developing it? Like what is kind of step two after you go back and kind of sift through some old ideas? Uh, well, it, it depends. I mean, the last couple weeks, the drummer from my trio, uh, Matt Zabrowski, he, he, he and I have met up. We've sort of started. So he's for those trio albums. I mean, he's a big part of, of the process and, and for that project, it helps to, you know, have somebody to, to, mm -hmm. to work with. And uh, if I know I'm meeting up with him, you know, I want to show up with something. So I'll listen and see what I have, and I'll pick some some cool ideas, hopefully. And um, he actually he came, he came by last week, and yeah, I went through a couple of these ideas marked AST. And there was one of them I just completely forgot about. And then I, 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 it wasn't obvious how to play it either. Like listening to it, I'm like, how do you even play that? What, what strings am I? I don't even know. And I started to figure it out. While figuring it out, I accidentally went into this other part in a whole other key. I came up with this other part that I liked better. <laughs> and then I said, you know, that's... That's the part. That's the main part of the song. And then the other thing, it may show up still. It may be like a bridge or whatever. But 
this other totally accidental part came and, and it just yeah it just showed up which and it's even harder to play i'm stuck but <laughs> but yeah i i um sometimes when i'm reviewing these these ideas that that are challenging to play and i'll, I'll even tell myself on the voicemail yeah uh fifth fret second string mm -hmm. uh third finger whatever um yeah, I mean, while I'm like relearning some of these ideas, I'll, I might come up with some some new ideas. But you know, it's different every single time. Yeah, when it came to uh, talking about your trio, when it came to forming that, how did you? And we may have touched on this in our prior episodes, but how did you find your watch your em. bandmates and what? I said What'd watch them if you have. Okay. He's just interrupting Alex you for no reason. Yeah. Right, right, for no Sorry. reason. No, but I'm curious to hear, because this, this is, I think, an oh, interesting brilliant. part of the creative process, too, is you decide you're going to write some original music or you want to do something within a certain genre or style, and you find people, a team, musicians, to do it with you. So how, uh, how did that happen? Uh, well, I was I was at the, the new school. I was kind of in my keeping a low profile period. Um testament hadn't reunited yet and resurrected yet that was a few years away not even didn't even know that was in the cards and um yeah matt was at the in the same music program that i was at the new school and uh you know, he was about 10 years younger but he had and he you know he was a star jazz drummer but he he like a lot of them. He'd gone through a metal period, so he he had had a Testament record, and he had Megadeth records, and um, it's kind of hilarious now because you know he's now he's been to a bunch of Testament shows and mm -hmm. even shows we've done with Megadeth, and like he's he's met all these <laughs> bands that he used to listen to, but his main influences were jazz drummers, Elvin Jones, Billy Hart, people like that. But he was also kind of, he didn't quite fit in. With, like, there's always a main click, I think, in any educational setting, any school, right? I imagine it's like that, even if it was like a medical school or a law school or a writing program or whatever. There's kind of the, uh, there's the main click of people and then there's, sort of out, not even outcasts, but you know, just different circles. Like, there's people who don't quite fit in and don't know mm -hmm. where they fit in. I did not know where I fit. I didn't really fit in anywhere because I had done these, I'd been in this metal band at a really early age. And then I, I was sort of in the process of reinventing myself, keeping a little problem. He didn't quite fit in with the people his age either. And so we, we got this whole circle of musicians um some that we played with some that we didn't play with but we're just friends with and we're like still friends to this day and we were all sort of sort of outcasts in a way we were just different than everybody else and uh he and i start just we started playing just to just kind of for fun and also as part part of the music program yeah we were assigned of jazz standards right so we had to learn these songs and it was kind of a way just to, to work on the songs 
Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you need uh, for, yeah, maybe for one class we would have to, or we, we'd have, I'd have an ensemble class and one of the songs is the standard, If I Should Lose You, you know, by Jerome Kern or whatever. So he and I, would do, we would just meet, meet up and work on assignments. But then uh, we got the idea that, okay, you know, there's places around we can play, just like low profile gigs, wine bars, coffee shops, stuff like that. And uh, we got a bass player and we started playing. And and it's kind of funny because I, I, at that time, I, I thought I was going to do more like electric jazz stuff that was sort of more more my direction and i was i wasn't thinking of like clean jazz guitar so much but we just had this chemistry and it worked really well uh we went through a few different bass players um and then it was funny at one point there was a club called the izzy bar it was in the east village and it was it was tough to get gigs because i was dealing with that you know the guy from Testament thing. If if somebody knew my name, it was like. Yeah. Th- but somehow the the Izzy Bar, which was a full fledged jazz club, the, the guy booking that was this Armenian guy, and he looked. He'd been a huge Testament fan, hmm. and he was like a clean cut <laughs> jazz awesome. guy. And he's like, dude, play my club, play my, yeah, <laughs> as much as you want. So that's amazing, that's great, man. Yeah. So we started playing this place. And it was, and we really started developing the band. And um, yeah, I mean, that went on for, for about a year or so. And then, I don't know, at some point, uh, yeah, I started, I got the idea to do rock songs because so everybody was doing the same jazz standards. And there were, there were some jazz bands doing rock songs, you know, um, Radiohead was kind of new at the time. A lot of jazz players liked them. Yeah. One of the best piano players of, you know, period is Brad Brad Meldow, who's like famous for doing Radiohead covers. Um, There's been Beatles songs done as jazz, but I knew nobody was doing the Scorpions. (laughs) <laughs> which dude you do For so sure. eloquently i gotta tell you because when i well, first they're beautiful songs th- th- you do it and, so beautiful and that was the key that was like okay i'm on it's a crazy idea but um and that's when i first like learned to start trusting my instinct it just had that it was that crazy idea let's take a scorpion song and make it work for a gesture i'm glad you liked it yeah, and I've actually heard that that one too. It's amazing. Real quick, without diving incredibly deep into the theory stuff, what does it look like to take a rock song and make it jazz? Like, what is that? What's your approach? Like, what are you listening for to to you know make yeah, it? Yeah, Ace Freely Jazz. <laughs> Ace Freely Jazz. Well, it, it's not going to work with all songs. There's a lot of songs I would not know how to make it work, and it's not just. This, it, it, it's not just metal where that would be the case. You know, like uh, you could take something like the James Brown, for example. I would not know how to make that work because it's it's not melodic music. Mm-hmm. It's pure rhythm. It's some of the best rhythm in the world. But that's what it's all about. It's 
you know, the melodies. I mean, I've, I'm sure there, there's probably been some jazzy takes on him, but that's that's a different thing. And I would say the same for like ACDC. You know, it's just like riff, riff. Even the vocals sound like riffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know? that would be interesting to imagine that as jazz. I, I'm not hearing it either. But you, yeah, use, use but the Scorpions. So, use the Scorpions as an example of like what you're listening for and, and how you're interpreting that. Some shanker. Well, because no, because look, it's not every Scorpion song either. But there are are certain ones where the melody is so strong, like it's I would put it up with some you know with some classic show tunes like it's got like that kind of a distinct hummable melody the first one we ever did yeah or no one like you man yeah another one La da 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 That's an amazing melody. It's so good. What's his name? Klaus or something? Klaus? Klaus Mein. Klaus Mein! The most German name of Klaus Mein! There's actually an amazing podcast about the Scorpions and the CIA. That's what actually one of my favorite podcasts of all time called Winds of Change, which is okay. their their 90s song. I love that song. Oh, I think it's a great song. I, it's a lot of Scorpions fans are crazy about it. They act. You yeah, know, a lot of Scorpions fans don't like fun either, but that's yeah. a great song. It's yeah, it's it's sort of like the I guess it's sort of like the nothing else matters of it's God gave rock and roll to you, too, like in Kiss, but it's like it's yeah. in Bill and Ted and Bruce. It's Bruce. And it's awesome. like he's a great, yeah. It's, yeah, it's an amazing song, and, and it's a good, it's a good message. Yeah, well, I recommend the the podcast about that, and it's just it's amazing storytelling and editing. But anyway, so the, those I had the idea to do those two Scorpion songs, "Still Loving You," and yeah, "No One Like You," and then it was just a matter to get that first record together. Okay, what are some other songs? that are you know hard rock and heavy metal that have that type of melody you know there's there's not that many but we, you know, we found a way to make um detroit rock city work right because it's it's kind of swing and the you mentioned ace Frehley, that the part in the middle the guitar sort of a guitar solo it's more of like a composed melody right melody melody and then okay um ozzy osbourne goodbye to romance which sounds like Great a song. jazz standard that became the title track of the, the record yeah all of those songs have super strong melodies so if you're gonna to make so to make those work that that was the criteria 
Do you know who's the OG? Do you know who's the OG of this? Did you ever hear Pat Boone do? Oh, yes. Dude, yeah, those are actually that good blew my fucking yeah. mind when I was a kid. Because, and by the way, he apologized for that record. So, so you know, Siobhan, Pat Boone's this dude who used to like be a godly man, and like he did this metal record where he did like Ozzy Osbourne and he did like uh, Alice, uh, uh, Cooper. Alice Cooper and all this other stuff, and they're beautiful arrangements. In fact, his version of Ozzy Osbourne, I think, was the theme to the Osbournes, wasn't it? Or yep. something like that, and it's. But there, it was my first time I had ever heard like these songs done as like jazz standards. And like mm-hmm. when you, you're, so, I personally like what you've done. But like it was so cool to see Pat Boone do that, and then to see him apologize. You're never apologize. If one thing I learned from Candlebox, never apologize <laughs> for anything. <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. apologize. <laughs> Just don't. I'm well, sorry. Why, but also, why should he apologize for that? That was. A, it was. Right, like I don't understand. Record. It was the yeah. best thing I ever. I guess he, because he has uh, some evangelical fans that maybe thought it was yeah, unbecoming. They have a lot of, uh, you know, tubs made for old people on television. So I guess maybe Ozzy wasn't the coolest look for him. Well, apparently they were neighbors. Like that was how that whole thing started. <laughs> and they got along great. They would come over and, you know, they were good friends and neighbors. But uh, yeah, Pat Boone's audience was very yeah kind of you know they they leaned religious family values whatever but i remember it was awesome i remember when that came out i thought it was so great. good yeah but it. it's a very different thing though he also did it more like um lounge style like that was definitely it was very well done but it was definitely a, a novelty and I, I was kind of trying to do it like, no, your stuff is like very natural, like, but but fun cool. at the same time. Like we're aware that it's kind of crazy. Well, that's I mean, in the few jazz lessons that I took for fun, I mean, the one thing that was amazing was there's just infinite levels of reharmonization you can do on the same melody. You know, yeah, exactly. The few piano lessons I took, it's like okay, let's play this and then do a completely different underlying harmony or a different inversion or different added notes. And I mean, I was terrible at it. I never got great, but, but I mean, it was so cool because you can go see in all, at least around Miami where I am, all the jazz clubs hear a lot of the same tunes, but it's different no matter who's playing it. There's something that's, that's different or the form or rhythm. I mean, you know, it's just infinite possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. And on those songs, I, most of them, I reharmonized quite a bit. There were a couple I didn't really need to reharmonize much, but um, that that's a big part of the process. And Miami's got some. Yeah, I, I make fun of Florida in my song, of course. But oh, I mean, uh, I, I do I'll, too. Okay, <laughs> but Miami's got great musicians and, and a lot of history. Like yeah, the jazz University scene, I think of is Miami. Great. Oh my god, yeah. it's like unbelievable. Yeah. No, there's a lot of great jazz around there. A lot of my, and when you mentioned radio, I had a good friend of mine who was on our podcast before, Rodolfo. He uh, yeah. worked on an album of original stuff, and he did a Radiohead cover that was super cool. But yeah, I, a lot I of learned those, from him. I don't, I don't do Radiohead tunes because I like Radiohead, but I, those songs are almost like jazz standards now. Yeah, <laughs> so many people do them, but they they really do lend themselves to uh, jazz reharmonization and improvisation. Uh, a recent podcast I did, I had a um, musician, David Becker, who's a great jazz guitarist, uh, talking about Joe DiOrio, who's like this legendary jazz educator. And we talked about the University of Miami 
because there was a point where Joe Diorio was based there. He was on the faculty. Um, Matheny was a student there, uh, very young, but he, they both played with this Miami-based musician, Iris Sullivan. Uh -huh. um, Jaco Pistorius was in this band. So apparently, like, Iris Sullivan had this band that was just, it was a rotating band, but it just had, you know, some people who had become legends. And I think the band like, never recorded. You can find a couple clips of it on YouTube, but it's like on a cheap cassette recorder and not even video, just just audio with a photograph, an old photograph. Uh, but That's it's crazy. amazing the history at that at the University of Miami. Like, which mm -hmm. you, yeah, Miami you wouldn't think first off of this, you know, like a, a jazz place, but right it's yeah it's really like, like a hub it's pretty amazing yeah no it is i learned a lot about it just since moving there i mean as a, with a classical background i didn't learn anything about jazz and that's kind of how i got into it just it was uh, so many great musicians there so yeah it's cool yeah and sometimes it's this just reminds me like the theory in jazz can be different than classical theory um it doesn't always jive and i'm i'm thinking of this um one of my favorite educators uh his name is mark levine he passed away unfortunately but uh he's i think just last week but there's a lot being said about him. so not a household name but if you ever studied jazz you would know his name and he would talk about like the differences between classical theory and jazz theory and no theory at all because like some mm -hmm. things can't be explained by theory Mm-hmm. And he had examples. It was really cool because I, I used to think, you know, well, you have to learn all these scales and all these triads and interval. Well, yeah, Just it's very choral helpful. scales. Just choral it, scales. I just, well, that's, it's great. That's what Carol Kay said to me. She literally just yelled at me, all you need to know is choral scales, all you rockers. All you do mm. is just learn all these scales and they're just meaningless runs that don't know anything. And if you just play the chord, if you know what you're playing on every string, and you'll always be fine. The chordal scale. All you need to know is the chordal scale. And she said that over and over and over to me. Like, it, she just kept coming back That's to it. And I'm like, yeah. and I, I was like, am I, are you serious? And basically she... Everything I learned from Paul Gilbert with a with a pink guitar or whatever seems like it was wrong. And she's like, "Do you want to know the first thing that I learned?" And she started showing me like uh like moonbeams, moon hour, oh, some crazy polka dots and, and moonbeams. Like, yeah, it, it's earlier than that. But she started showing. Me, she's like, "You had to learn this chord and this chord and this chord." And you had to walk the sevens. And, but and I I I was lost from the her first lesson. So like it's just interesting because she was like, "Don't do any scales if you want to do jazz. You don't have to know any scales. You just need to know the chordal scales. And once you know what's in the key, then you can do anything in between. It's all about landing on it. And That's anything so in between is fair game. It's just fair She's, game. The, all the in between is fair game. You got to land on it. Yeah, I think uh, everybody's got probably got got to develop their own approach that works for them." Um, that, that I'm sure that that sounds like a, I don't a great ever land approach. on it. Yeah. I always uh, land wrong. <laughs> I'm in physical therapy three times a week in a uh, pool. I never uh, land right. Trust me. Yeah, but I mean, so have, being tangently familiar with both classical and jazz, and and having no real uh, <laughs> right to an opinion, in my perspective is is more the rigid rigidity of um, mm -hmm. I guess like where you are are 
you know, coming from and going to. You know, obviously classical, you know, you it's very obvious if you listen to classical or jazz. So, like, I, I can see how the theory would dictate, you know, a, a different set of rules all while, obviously, you got to be in a, you know, some sort of uh, framework. But but they're very different frameworks on the output of what you guys are working on. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a, a lot of the elements are the, are the same. But there's, yeah, there's just different ways of thinking about them. You know, like Baroque Counterpoint, for example, has all these rules that you're not supposed to do parallel motion. You know, yeah. Like, a lot of in jazz, a lot of that does not apply. Or it's, it, sometimes it's useful. It can be a good guideline for um, like moving from one chord to another. It actually might sound better if you don't have parallel fifths moving at the same. But you know, you 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 can't go by those rules. Though they will just severely limit you, uh, especially when you get into more modern jazz ideas, where you know, outside playing. I mean, there's there's things that they, that actually it, it makes sense to me now, but. It used to make no sense at all, and a lot of it, yeah, it just it does go against a lot of conventional music theory. What about the improv aspect? You could improvise in a certain style, you know, like for example, like when I improvise, I I tend to rely on a lot of the classical things I've played before, so maybe it might sound more baroque with like a certain type of rhythm or like voice leading, or you could sound more classical or more romantic with different accidentals. But I mean. Yeah, that doesn't really exist much because you're mostly playing through composed music where there's no space for improvisation. There's a good recording. One of Chick Corea's last records before he uh, passed away was, it's just a solo piano concert. And he does a couple pieces where he, he, they're classical pieces but he improvises like he'll do it off the page. Uh, one of them's uh, Scarlatti uh-huh. and it's beautiful. And then he gets to this one section and you could tell he's, he's improvising, but he's keeping it in the style. That's amazing. And I it's really cool. You should t- check that out. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. I, I was trying to find, I apologize for leaving. I was trying to find the notes. I sent, I forwarded them right to Alex because Carol Kay sent me a whole like diatribe, like just of all this, like you should listen to this. You should listen to this. Don't listen to this because of this and this and this and this, because you won't understand it yet. And like, yeah, that was, those were great notes. I mean, but but if, if you read, if, but if you know what her voice sounds like, and then you hear her, you she becomes your inner monologue when you read what she wrote. And I remember I, for, I also forwarded it to our friend Bumblefoot. And Bumble literally wrote back to me, like, oh, yeah, that totally You're makes on a first sense. name oh, basis with Bumble? <laughs> yeah, Ron, Ron, Ron Thal. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. And like, it's, here's the thing. If you forward something to Ron, he'll actually read it all the way through. Like, he's very thorough. Like, he's smart. He's not a guy that's like, oh, yeah, it's great, and just lies. Like, good job on your song. He'll listen to it critique it and understand. So when I sent him the Carol K stuff, same thing with Alex. He was like, oh, I really like her suggestions or like, oh, the Oscar Peterson stuff, like totally. And like, I, 
I actually immersed myself in it because she told me, Benny, you don't know jazz. And I thought of Alex. And when I went, when I met up with her, I, I, I had told her that you had made this evolution from Testament to jazz. And she goes, oh, yeah, those rock guys, you know, once you show them the chordal scales, it's like once they get it, they get it. They get so excited. You can see all of them break that four on the floor thing and just get free. It was awesome. And I was like, well, Alex, hmm. Alex did that. So I said that to her. Just want you to know that. I feel like you'd appreciate that that happened. That's very cool. Is she aware <laughs> there is a TV character based on her? Oh, yeah. She's annoyed by all of it. Yeah. <laughs> she, well, so the thing is, if you talk to Carol, she will set, she sends people home. She, I can't, I don't want to really get too into it, but like, you know, she's an old lady. Like she was, a, she's really like, she's amazing. She's here. She did so many things. Like you asked, I asked her because, she did so many firsts for like a, a female in music. Period. She's like what Carol Burnett was to comedy. Absolutely. Like Car no. Carol Kay was for all women, and she started off on guitar. Just so everyone freaking knows, she started off on guitar, and she's like, "Oh, I'm only the third on the list. Maybe if I do this bass thing." But she played for like the Righteous Brothers. Like you've lost that loving feeling, oh, and all like yeah, all these amazing and like. Uh, she played with what's Ricky Valens, like, oh yeah, Bing Crosby a little bit. And she's like, fuck that. The bass controls the song. And then she comes in and it's like a share song that's just one chord for seven minutes. She's like, well, what if I just make it not boring? And like, that blew my mind, dude. And I got to tell you, the whole time I'm thinking to myself, is this what Alex did? Is what she's yelling at me? Like, is yeah. this Alex metamorphosis into the butterfly that is the Skolnick trio? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, again, there's different approaches for the same thing. I might not think of it the same way, but uh, yeah, I, I started looking at improvisation more as like um, making maps of, of the song, right? It's like you, you can't jump into uh, a solo, a jazz improvisational solo the way you would say you're going to we're going to jam on um, a Jeff Beck song. We're going to jam on freeway jam. You know what I mean? It's like open G, dun, 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 right? And you have your scales and you have your, your licks, but you know, in, in a lot of these jazz songs, the it's this constant movement, especially the, like the earlier jazz tunes, a lot of the stuff on her list and the way to, it, it, it takes a lot of time to get that, but you, you have to map out, the songs I and mean, you have to map out okay what what are the triads for each chord she said she the... said that she said to me and this i'm just recanting so you oh. tell me because i'm just I'm interrupting you like she just yelled at me she's like if you know the cycle you could just know the next chords because there's only so many places that make any sense to go and then if you move up one fret or down one fret there's only so many places you can go and you just have to choose where you want to modulate. And that's it. And once you know that, your brain will tell you and then you will know all the notes in all of those different chords and those are the only ones you need to play. I was like, what about non-diatonic notes? Why? Is what she said to me. Yeah. She literally it, just said, why would you need to? She's like, there's so many notes that are, are in the chord that it's pointless if you know that, that that seems like you just don't know what you're doing. Yeah, because, because there are some great non-diatonic no she had to choose messing with me but she looked okay. at me very sternly okay <laughs> and you do you definitely need to know how to play you know inside 
was before you started start messing with the, the yeah absolutely do you, do you yeah. know the, t- the tv character i'm thinking of with her she it's, she said it's, that they um, made her look like an asshole didn't they or something i i don't know it but yeah she it's knew um it. the marvelous mrs Maisel. oh really yeah okay there's a have you seen the show i've seen yeah, yeah i've seen a few episodes of it yeah when it gets to the point where she goes on tour okay the band that she tours with yeah she's opening up for this famous soul singer and it's it's he's got this band horn full band you know big big ensemble with full horn section and the bass player looks just like her when she was young and her name's carol Okay. And she's got I'll the same go glasses. She was, she was so mad about it. She's mad out. about it. <laughs> she's like, that's not me. They're depicting me wrong. And, and actually, why was she mad? Okay, I can she, she sent a whole camera crew home. They, she's like, they wanted to do a special on me. And they flew all the way out there. And like, she is the kind of person that you could have 10 people at her house. And she just like, you got to go. And she did this. She literally did this. She tells me, she told me the story that when they came to her house, she goes, Benny, you know what they did? They don't know anything. They said, hmm. how do you feel when you're playing bass? I don't <laughs> feel anything. I'm paying my bills. <laughs> I'm paying my bills. And they're like, but yeah, but you must feel something. And she's like, get out of here. Yeah. She sent them all home. That's I'm not awesome. kidding. She sent them all home. Cause she's like, Penny, and I literally looked at her. I was scared. I'm like, well, how does it, how do you make it not happen like that? She's like, what you're doing right now. It was the nicest compliment anyone had ever given me. I'm like, oh, so just being earnest and like, I don't know anything. Cause I was yeah. just like, I teach me your ways. Oh, smart one, Oracle. So yeah. Yeah, there I mean, I, parting. how do you feel playing bass? It's kind of a BS question, kind of. Oh yeah, no, she looking, saw right yeah, through them and set them up. Looking for a sound bite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they tried getting her to say all yeah. kinds of mean stuff about Phil Spector and stuff. And I found out she let Phil Spector watch her kids. Did you know that she used to? How badass wow. do you have to be to walk into a session with the wall of sound, dude, who had the gun all the time and be like, here's my fucking kids. And I met Pete. Pete is, is my is Gail, my cousin's husband, was is one of her kids. And he tol- told me a story mm-hmm. that he ran right into like a Phil Spector session. He thought they were doing a playback. They weren't doing a playback. And he was eight. And mm-hmm. like he was cool with it because Carol took his daughter out and did the girl stuff. And hmm. he took the boy out, Pete, and did his wow. stuff. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy. And she's like, it's okay because, you know, he was doing all the therapy. And, you know, he hmm. was really rich, very young, Phil Spector, but he was a good guy. And I'm just like, wow. Wow. Amazing. Did you yeah, exactly the whole time? Like, yeah, it's not how we Phil think Spector. of it now. Wow. Your kids with Phil Spector, you left them. And, and she was, and Pete's like, he was great to me. Hmm. He said it to my face. I'm sure he so, was yeah. in a better he was in a better frame of mind back then, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> well, now that we've we've gone to Off Phil, the rails. Spe- Phil Spector, uh-huh. uh, we are it is about time to wrap this one up. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, Alex. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, no that, I mean this, the last half hour has taught me more about jazz than I've able I've been able to internalize. Than you ever wanted in the past. to know. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again for spending a couple hours with us and, and, and putting up with our nonsense. And uh, thank That's you for what sharing, it's all about. sharing yeah. your creative process, um, especially in this episode here. There was, there was a lot of good you know, information. Uh, and anyone that has not listened to your two previous episodes, go to 2020-d.com, go to our archive, check them out. Tons of great material there as well. Um, and we're super excited that you're going to be back out on the road, you know, this year, knock on wood. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully we can catch you. Um, we'll take a look at the schedule. We'll have links to all your, uh, website information to the videos we talked about, uh, and everything. Is there anything else you want to let our, our several dozen listeners know about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think we covered it, right? We talked about the podcast. Yeah. Moods and Uh, modes. Moods and modes. Check it out. I didn't. I didn't talk about uh, Pact, the instrumental project with Percy Jones, okay. myself, Kenny Grahowski, and Tim Motzer. But it's um, a really cool jazz rock uh, instrumental project, and I'm kind of in shock. We were in the Jazz Times poll. Like uh, we were, our album is like among the best releases with, with some which is crazy and then i think i think we're on the best artist new artist list wow amazing so that, that's yeah that's a whole other talk for another day but uh we recorded in the Congratulations, studio dude thanks uh, we recorded percy jones is a legend he played with um, he, he the phil collins back when phil player. collins was a great yeah. drummer and uh Unbelievable. More for, I'm sure he still is, but he, he was more known as a drummer in the 70s. Well, Phil Collins can barely stand, so like okay. God bless his soul yeah. because because I think isn't it his son like on the drums now? Or yeah, something like that's so. like with Genesis. Just, but yeah. yeah, I mean it's it, it, Phil Collins back in the day. At, at, Forget about it. Yeah, and, and Eric they're, Clapton. Yeah, well, their their band was called Brand X, and. Um, he also played with Brian Eno, so he's like he's a legend. So it's been really fun uh, to play with him. We squeeze in a, a week of shows here, a week of shows there, and uh, we recorded in the studio. We have an album coming, and um, my intention is to write and record another trio album this year. Wish me luck, <laughs> and some other some other music too. So. Great. Just well, where, where, where uh, can know, everyone stay tuned on, on your stuff? Like, where is yeah, a good central location? Uh, at Alex Skolnick on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the Real Alex Skolnick on YouTube. And that's got my crazy videos. Florida Man Blues. Yes, uh, check them out. B-I-G-L-I-E. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. have links to everything, guys. Make sure we were talking a bit about the uh, the Goodbye to Romance album for the Alex Kolnick Trio. So anyone that's that's looking to get their, you know, their their taste of the the jazz oh, that's rock totally crossover. true. No, that's sure one of those that things out. that yeah, it, it, you know what? It's so good because it's one of those things that like if there was a crossover for people who are closed minded to jazz music, but you wanted to open your heart just a little bit, and you're like, okay, the guy with the cool hair from Testament telling me that this is cool, and I can ease in with the scorpions but like you do it fucking great it's so so well done and the finesse for which you play like if you if you've never listened to jazz and you want to ease into it the right way go listen to to alex and his trio play some 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 scorpions or some kiss and you'll be fine i promise you it'll be okay it's a great endorsement <laughs> <laughs> i've we'll heard all of, those links there yeah. i've heard of couples getting 
like agreeing on this music. They can't agree on any other music. Amazing. Right. There yeah. we go. Oh, Perfect right. review. The guy, the guy is, yeah, will be like a metalhead. And he likes Testament. The girl, yeah, well, wants nothing to do with that. But then he can listen to the trio because it's me. There we and, go. And she likes it too. Yeah, I've met I've met a, a few of these couples. So oh, that's amazing. Bringing yeah. people together, saving marriages <laughs> one at a time. one at a time. Yeah. All right, Alex. Thank you so much, man. Two thank zero you, two Alex. zero. Good to see you. Dash D dot com. We'll see you next time. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-D.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 83, featuring Mark Tremonti of Alter Bridge and Creed. Check it out. Well, me, me and Miles agree that melody is the most important part of any song. That's what people are singing back to you. You know, They're not, they're not tapping out double bass kicks or, or you know, harmonizing arpeggios with you back vocally. They're singing what the, what the words are and what the vocal melodies are. Um, but yeah, whether it's a saxophone melody or a vocal melody or a guitar melody, you know, if you're listening to Baker Street, you know that that's a great melody. That's melodies to me are the most important thing. And it pissed me off when I was young in my career and people would be like, you know, you're a guitar player. I'm a songwriter. I'm a melody writer. I'm a songwriter. I'm a songwriter to the core but that's way that comes way before guitar playing. well hey friends my name is zach lupiton you may know me from the band dust bowl revival but i also host a music discovery podcast called the show on the road for the last five seasons i've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the lumineers Andy defranco wolfpeck keb mo lake street dive bela fleck and more So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.